funnest and frankly most mind-boggling things to me here on the aisle is when we have return guests. And today's return guest is particularly in the funnest category. She is a children's author, middle grade, to be precise. We'll talk more about that later. And she's been in all kinds of magazines and curriculums, devotionals. She's a speaker. And she is the author of the Tree Street Kids series. It's uh, for middle grade readers. And again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, Her other children's writings been, like I said, published in magazines. And she's what we call an authority in the realm of writing to and about young people. And she's lots of fun. Her name is Amanda Cleary Eastup. And boy, am I excited to talk to her. In fact, so much so that I'm going to stop referring to her in the third person and actually address you directly. Welcome back, Amanda. Thank you, Nancy. You make me sound like such a lovely person. <laughs> That's because you are. <laughs> oh, it's it's fun to be back here. I you already know this. I could I could sit and chat with you every day. So whether you're recording or not. <laughs> Nice. Well, I feel the same way about you. That's why I'm, like I said, I'm thrilled and slightly shocked that you're back. So (laughs) it's a win. It's a win all around. So I want to start here because um, the last time we talked on the aisle, on the podcast, you were living in Chicago, but you don't live in Chicago or Chicago land, as they say, but you don't live there anymore. No, I don't. I, I, I lived in Chicago land for uh, many decades. <laughs> I won't say how many. And um, I am now in the mountains of North Carolina. My husband and I made a big move at the end of last year. And that has been quite the adventure. I bet. North Carolina. Do you say it that way now? North Carolina. Um, no, I think, I, I don't know if I'll ever lose my uh, my Chicago thing, uh, my little accent, but Oh, see, now to the rest of the country, as a Midwesterner, you you are the only people apparently that speak correctly that don't have an <laughs> accent, right? Right. So, I'm yeah. I'm right, the accent. I'm yeah. not I'm yeah. not too bad. Yeah. I'm not as bad yeah. as you know, well not bad, but I don't have as strong of a of an accent as people who like were born and raised in a city, that's for sure. But. Oh, okay. So I got to, this is a free story. I was in Mississippi over the summer visiting my sister and I was getting gas and I was asking a gentleman for help with something. And he was, he was lovely. And I, I think he, he asked me where I was from and I said, he said, yeah, where are y'all from? And I said, oh, I'm from Buffalo, New York. He says, I thought so. I recognize that accent. So I just thought that was really great. I'm like, I love that you think I have an accent. So we all do to somebody in, in the South. The um, I'm 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 learning that it, you know we kind of when we're in the anywhere north of <laughs> Southern Illinois, we're kind of like we have this accent that we imitate for Southerners, but they're all so different, so very different. It's true. It's very regional. So right. Yes. Yeah. Western, Western New Yorkers, I guess we have our own little twang, but you, you know, when you're immersed in it, it's just, no, this is the way normal people talk. North Carolina has this really kind of nice, I I call it sing-songy. They, it's almost a lulling kind of, it's, it's fun to listen to people who, who are from this, we're in Western North Carolina in the mountains. So they have this kind of lovely, relaxed. (laughs) Mountain people talk. Yes. Yes. It's the speak of the mountains. So, all right. Well, because this is our segue, right? So I'm going to, I'm about to give you a choice because we tried this a little bit ago um, and we had some technical difficulties. So I'm just giving a little TMI background for the audience, but, um, but today this, this one's a go. So as you know, it is our time honored tradition to play a stupid game here on the aisle. And I have, I have a choice for you today, Amanda. We can play. So I had a game that I devised just for you. It's a stupid game, stupid quiz about wilderness survival. The thing is, you might already know the answers because we played right. this once before. But it can I, still, I loved oh, that we could game. test your memory. Yeah, so we could do I that. I loved that game. And I would love to play it again, except it just doesn't seem fair that I already would probably remember the one answer I got wrong, or maybe I got two wrong. That's true. So maybe let's do the new one. Let's do okay. the new one. All right. Or I could just edit that part out. And nobody would know. Because we're all about adventure, game. right? Okay. It is all. Okay. So this one is not a quiz. This is just stupid game. This or that author edition. All right. So this is, we're, we're kind of 
twisting things around here. We're, we're taking a little bit of a, of a detour. So because you are an author and yeah, why not address that part of your life in or out of the mountains? So, all right. So real quick, I got 10 this or that questions. Some of them might uh, be more of a, just, I want your reaction than this or that. So are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. And I tend to overthink. So this is going to be a challenge for me. Yeah, exactly. This is good. It's good therapy for all of yes. us. Okay. All right. So we'll start easy. Okay. All right. Ranch or Italian? Oh, Italian. Oh, see? <laughs> you didn't have to overthink that at all. I'm healed. Because <laughs> yes. every good author needs to know. All right. Now we're now we're really diving in. Misspellings or misquotes? Miss... What bothers you more? Uh, oh, which, which bothers me more? Well, yeah. Or maybe I shouldn't have edited that. Maybe just go with it. Yeah. Uh, what do you misquotes. prefer? What do you hit? Yeah. Misquotes bother you more? Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you feel about misspellings? Um, I, I still misspell things. So I have to oh, do you? excuse oh, everyone else. That gives hope to the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> I have a thing about your and your. And yeah. I just, that. Yeah. But I, that's more of a grammar thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But misquotes, that's, I mean, there's too many bad ones floating around out there. And Mark Twain did not say it. That's true. Nor did C.S. Lewis. There's one about C.S. No, Lewis. Right. And he didn't say that either. But yeah. So, okay. Writer's block or too many ideas? Writer's block. Okay. Do you ever get too many ideas that you just can't keep track of them? I do, but we'll see. Now I'm thinking, well, does that mean it bothers me or? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It happens or which, yeah. Which do you prefer? Which bothers you? This is your game. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it happens is that I get too many ideas. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Too many ideas, not enough time to write them down. Do you ever like wake up in the middle of the night? Like, oh gosh, I got to get up. I got to write. Oh yeah. I've, I've written like best-selling novels in the middle of the night. And then I wake up and I realize, you know, they're, they're not. Me too. I'm like, oh, that was a dream. Oh, well, (laughs) yeah. In fact, I actually had a dream last night that something, something like brilliant occurred to me, like an opening line of like a paragraph or a chapter and. I should have gotten up in my dream. I wrote it down, but now I can't remember what I wrote. Oh, well. You think you're going to remember it? I know. You think you're going to remember it and you don't. No, it's true. It's true. Or, or something. Maybe I'll just have to go through some shock treatment to trigger it or something, but okay. Plot or characters? Characters. Why? I love, I love characters. I, I, I love, I love developing characters. Okay. I love yeah. a book that has, good characters in it the plot doesn't even have to be great mm-hmm. but I love a good character I think it was I love you. writing them mm-hmm. yeah and you know what characters often drive the plot don't they because that's they, what life is about we do <laughs> and I was just filling that in my notebook out the other day what's you know what's the what does my character want you know what's standing in his way and 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 sometimes I think when you have a, you're dealing with a 10 year old character you're you know maybe thinking a little too big <laughs> you know right. it's, it's like no I just want to get an A on this test or no I just uh you know I want to work on my fort this weekend you know? like, right this is true yes I think yeah that is very true so okay this is your game I'm going to move on sequels or prequels sequels okay I like right. I like sequels yeah so you are very decisive for an overthinker, I, I'm, I'm you're, you're right there. Myself. You I'm surprising right. myself. Although I did start watching a sequel yesterday. It's the Andor. Uh, it's one of the Star Wars um, oh, yes. sequels. And I I have no idea what's going on. I don't know. You know, then they have like prequels of prequels or sequels of prequels. Yeah, yeah it's like Inception. Prequel, it's like a prequel like within a prequel. So a movie within a movie. Where are we? When are we? I don't know what's happening. Dream happened. within a dream. Yeah, yeah. So I got off of the Star Wars wagon. It's like Inception. After, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I got off the Star Wars wagon after The Empire Strikes Back. So because um, I'm very, wow. I'm, I'm very uncool. So, but I've owned that. Okay. Editing content or grammar. Content. Okay. All right. You had to think a little longer about that. Yeah. And you are well, gonna... you know, I'm still thinking like, what, 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 what about it? <laughs> like, right. Right. It, like, is it what the hard you... thing? Is it the thing I like? I, I'm, right. I'm not sure what, you know, okay. Well, the let's, criteria is here. let's take a deep dive. What do you like better? 
Um, I it's easier for me to edit, um, like do line edits, grammar, mm-hmm. um, content it is is more intensive. It's a little more intensive. So right. I think I like the more intensive where I feel like I can guide an author um, because I'm a book editor, not just a, a, a writer. And I'm a book editor by day. It's kind of like a, you know, a little Batman. Like a superhero. Like yes, a yes. By day, you put on your, writer by night. You yeah. put on your writer cape. Right. <laughs> um, I really like that moment where I can suggest something to an author and they say, oh my gosh, I didn't think of that. Um, and and maybe help bring the writing to a different, you know, level of. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's yeah. fun. I, I Cause it's like that. mentoring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like being. Yeah. There's a, a teaching aspect to it. So, and I used to teach, so I guess maybe that's. So it's bringing all the worlds, like all the worlds come together. <laughs> um, okay. Plotter or pantser. And that was the term. I don't know if, if that means anything to you. Oh, yeah, plant, I'm a planter. I'm a planter. A planter. I like it. Okay, talk talk to me. Okay, so I was never good at plot, and that's why you know I think because I love characters so much, and I would I would focus there, and then um, my plot often comes out. Like you said before, it kind of comes out of what my characters want or what's happening in their lives. Um, but so a plotter is someone who, you know, figures, figures out the whole plot of their story before they start to right. write a pantser just gets in there and, you know, gets a, some kind of inspiration and just starts writing. But the problem with that is usually it's very hard to finish or you get to that kind of middle right. section of a book and you're like, Oh, now where do I go? Where do I go? And then I think that's also where a lot of writers get discouraged and they just quit. Mm. And then they want to start something new because new mm-hmm. ideas are fun. Mm-hmm. And they're exciting. Um, oh, and when yeah. the work really comes in, that's the tough part. So I've really, with 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 um, the Tree Street Kids series, I read a book, and this is I would recommend this to anybody who really loves to write fiction. It's Save the Cat writes a novel, and it really helped me to figure out at least some basic these these fifteen beats. It's called of the plot that need to happen really almost in every story, any story. And it's worked really great with my middle grade. So that helped me to, you know, kind of figure out where the story was going, what needed to happen when, uh, that involved a little math. So it really challenged me. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, I'm with you. Word count and what percentage and where do we need to be? And that may seem super tedious to a lot of people, especially pantsers and storytellers. But if I didn't have that, that format, I, it would have been hard for me to finish four books in two years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have done it without that. So mm-hmm. I, I'm now I'm calling myself kind of a planter because planter. I love to dream and I love to free write, but you still need that skeleton, right? Because if we don't have skeletons, we're just kind of blobs moving around. <laughs> kind of you make, like we're, we, we need skeletons. You make a coaching point. So I like that planter. Yeah. See, yeah, we're Otherwise not going to put you in a box. Yes, you're not. <laughs> yes. And I think so much of life is is that way, right? So much of life is like, well, it's not all this and it's not all that, but it's a little bit of both. Right. So I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. All right. This one, not of this or that, but just first thing, go to writing, drink or snack. What do you have to have when you're, when oh, you're writing, oh, what's your uh, go-to snack or drink? A, a drink. Okay. What, what drink? It's usually uh, coffee in the morning and then um, iced tea in the afternoon. Okay. All right. That's that's daring. Caffeine in the afternoon. Or I do like sparkling yeah. water with a little hint Ooh. of something. Classy. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like fruit, not uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Not I got alcohol. It. Yeah. Okay. Like, All right. All right. Oh, you a hint of peach. Don't, not don't peach write into me. Got it. Got it. So, yes, I've taken lately to infusing my water with... Yeah, it's a little bit of fruit, and it's delightful. It is. Refreshing. Okay. All right. We've got two more. Two more. NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo. Yes or no? Uh, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Have you ever done it? I have. Um, I'm not a big word count person, Mm -hmm. like trying to get to a word count. I love setting timers for myself. Mm but I, I did, I did do, um, and I, I was thinking about doing it again this, you know, this year, because I wasn't, I'm not in the middle of, of a book. I'm, I'm coming up with concepts right now. So it, it, it did occur to me to do it, but I did do it. 
uh, with my, before I started the four Tree Street Kids books, um, I was working on a young adult fantasy and I, I used NaNoWriMo for that. And it, it was good, but I didn't put too much pressure on myself. <laughs> That's the key, I think. Yeah. I think about it every year. <laughs> That's about where it is. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So by the way, this, it's a little bit of insider talk and not everybody who listens to this is an author. Uh, most are mm-hmm. readers, but um, tell us what is NaNoWriMo? What is, what is that? So it's national novel writing month, which happens in November. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's, it's really a cool community. People love to do it. You can connect with other, with other writers and you try to get to, you try to basically write, of a, a draft of a novel in the space of that month. And they have all kinds of fun, you know, word count. Um, you know, there's graphs and, and, and all kinds of things to help you track your progress. And it's, it's fun. I mean, a, a lot of people enjoy, a lot of people have found that, that, you know, that pressure in that community to be really uh, conducive to getting a, getting things a, done. You know, a draft done if you're deadline so. driven which i am so who knows mm-hmm. maybe this will be the year yeah, so. um, okay okay final question mm. when you're writing music or silence silence really just complete silence not even the sound of crickets in the woods in the forest yeah, you, you know live. what i i started when i was on the train working on my young adult novel again this was i i, I keep talking about the young adult novel and i haven't <laughs> uh, i might have to tr- pull that out of the drawer again i was working on the train and i'd go on the quiet car but that still wasn't quiet enough for me so i would put in um listen to these things it's kind of like a they're called binaural beats or something. So I think it's you know, some kind of, you know, there's all kinds of brown noise. Green brown noise. noise. Yes. I've been hearing Most, a lot about that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, different, noise. there's different colors of noise, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Um, so oh, no. I would put those in my, you know, I put, put my earbuds in and it's, it's, a, it's interesting and it, but it, it, it has helped me focus because, you know, like I said before, lots of ideas bouncing around uh, focus is tough for me. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's a whole and, other and podcast music, right there. Music, yeah. And music changes what you're writing. It, it can really affect like the pace or what. So I, I have, I, I remember I had a professor who said to never listen to music while you were writing. And, um, there are times where I'll put, I'll, I have like certain, um, playlists and so when I'm working on a, just maybe a, a specific scene and maybe I want it to feel exciting or, you know, I'll play, um, I'll play like uh Norwegian, like uh hard rock or something. I love it. There's like this Viking kind of music. <gasps> oh, I'm looking that up on Spotify right away. I found so I'll great- do that. I'll do that for inspiration. But I'll do that intentionally. Right. But not while you're writing, like before not you write. Usually, and then when you usually. write, it's the it's this cone of silence that comes over your head. And right. yes, 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 that's that's a yeah, that is definitely a throwback retro reference for those of you who remember Get Smart and not the Steve Carell version, by the way. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you did, you've done another excellent job. No wrong answers, of course, but your answers were particularly excellent. Well, thank you. If it Quite was insightful. timed, I would have lost this this game. No, this is this is this is the beauty of the game is that now we know we know you on a deeper level than we knew you before, and isn't that the whole point? So, well, excellent job. Thank you. It, it was very fun. I love your I'm, games. I'm so glad. I'm so glad games. to hear that. I know. I, need I to just want to come on here and play stupid games and not talk to them. <laughs> I, you know what? I've, I've, I've entertained the idea of just doing all. Just maybe I'll do the best of stupid games and just. Yeah, I was, that. I was yeah. going to say, do yeah, like yeah. a stupid games highlights. That would be I so like fun. it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I've joked with my family. We, uh, yeah. So I, I actually have my brother on for uh, one, my brother and a cousin for to interview him about his music, and we, I had them pit against each other to do like Beatles trivia and it was it was great fun to sit back and watch them just go at it so yeah so there's so many so many directions we could go with this but hey this is your show this is your podcast so I want to I'm going to jump I'm going to jump in now we're segueing now 
we have talked about this quote, but this is my launching point. I want to go, this is on your website and I love this quote. And I think you'll know right away when I start to read it, what the quote is. Oh, so since I quote. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's not, it's not a you quote, you've quote somebody else. So, and you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation because I always forget it. Um, you have to write the book that wants to be written. And if the book will be too difficult for grownups, then you write it for children. Mm-hmm. Who said that? Madeline Langle. Thank you. Thanks for Okay. That. And I, I'm pretty sure she said it. <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. brings us That's back to this quote. Yes. Which, which brings us back to this quote. Fact checkers. Yeah. Well, and and that's something I have to do for my job all the time mm-hmm. is is, you know, just check that this is a person because you know I have to tell authors, don't pull something from from Goodreads, don't pull something from, you know, A to Z quotes or whatever, because they're, you know, notoriously inaccurate. Right, right. Well, the internet said so. Yeah, right, right, right. But okay, so all things being equal, let's just go with it. Let's just say this is pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I believe you. So but yeah, Let's talk because I think this is a great mm-hmm. launching point because, you know, you you are, as we said, you are a middle grade writer. And let's let's pause there and, and tell us what that means. And then, you know, then I want to go from there because you you write primarily for who we would consider children. So, right. yeah. So middle grade is not the same thing as like you're in middle grade. That's you know, that's a different that's a education designation. Middle grade, as far as the publishing industry, is um, is just a category. So it's generally 8 to 12-year-olds is middle grade. And before that, you have like chapter books and you have early readers and you have picture books. And then on the other side of middle grade, you have young adults and maybe even new adults and, and then adult. And within middle grade, you have... It's also divided into lower middle grade, which is like eight to 10, and then upper middle grade, which is 11 to 12. So we can say middle grade, but an eight-year-old, you know, is at a different place in his life than a 12-year-old is, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, but that is, that's the category. Right. Okay. So you're focused on that group. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's the setup, but I want to go back to the quote because the quote Mm -hmm. talks about, you know, if if you have to write you have to write a book that needs to be written, but if it's too difficult for adults, then you write it to children. Because I, I think we get this idea. Well, oh, isn't that cute? It's a children's book. Oh, that's sweet. That's nice. Um, you know, you and I are adults. We're probably talking to adults. I think most of the audience here are adults. I don't think I have a lot of eight to 12 year olds in this audience. And yet I think it's as important to talk about because the themes in many children's books, and we've talked about this before, going all the way back to Grimm's fairy tales, they're not just oh, isn't that sweet, isn't that cute? There's there's some pretty weighty themes there, mm-hmm. right? So I think what the quote is talking about is that we can kind of we tend as adults to condescend or right. speak in a condescending way right. to children um, and to underestimate them as right. well. Right. Uh, we underestimate their intelligence, their resiliency. Uh, and and if anything, we should be learning from them because and this is why I love writing for children is because I get to feed that childlike part of myself. And, and the Bible talks so much about Jesus talks so much about be, becoming little children. There's right. there's um, there's an openness of heart, um, which also makes them very vulnerable, of course. Um but with that quote, I, th- I think is is if you want to write for children, you really have to respect children and not think that um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, like you said, writing for children is easy. I've heard people say, well, I, you know, I want to write a picture book. Well, that's great. How, how many picture books have you read? How much time do you do you spend with children? How much right. time do you spend in the children's section of the, you know, of the library? Um It's not easy. It's not easy to to engage a child um, in so few words. Right. Right. It's why most people it's why Twitter had to go from 140 characters to, you know, because it's very it is very difficult to distill, if you will, a concept 
in into a, a way that, like you said, even an eight to 12 year old can relate. Right. So that's why, you know, I think there's, there's a saying, I, I might be misquoting, so I'll paraphrase instead, but, you know, Einstein talked about, you know, if you can't describe your concept simply, then you don't know it. Right. And I think right. that's another way to, to get at what you're talking about. And, and I think, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say this because I, I might not be remembering correctly, but, but go, just going back to Engel in general, where she, she wrote a, a wrinkle in time, which many people have heard of, even if they don't read children's books and the classic children's book, classic book. And it, it, she touches on um, some really uh, scientific theories and, and I, I think one of the reasons she couldn't, she went through, I think she was rejected. That book was rejected like, I don't know, 34 times or something by publishers. I'm like, were there even that many publishers? <laughs> mm-hmm. But right. that, that book is now a classic and has been for a long right. time. I still have my original copy, which is signed by her. It's like a treasured, it's mm-hmm. my tr- most, besides my Bible, it's my most treasured, treasured book. And um, she didn't, she she just refused to think that um, a child wouldn't be able to read that book. Right. And and um, but you start out the book starts out with something that resonates with pretty much every single human being is feeling like you don't fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, something so, we relate to around here. Right? It was a dark and stormy night. How I mean that's a classic line, right? The book opens mm-hmm. with that, and so th- that quote is really about getting at these universal, and we were talking about this a little bit, you know, that these universal ideas that, um, that, that children understand too. Yes. um, And experience. So, you know, and, you know, writing to, I think really the most classic children's books have the longevity they do because they, they touch on those things. Um, and they're not really they're not really just address something that's happening in the culture at the time or right. there, there's these deeper truths in them. And and they also resonate and are attractive reads for adults, too. Yes, yes, yes. I think, you know, and I know we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating, you know, like, again, like you said, A Wrinkle in Time or um, the Narnia series or even Lord of the Rings, which, I, you know, I guess an argument could be made. Maybe that's not children but i mean it, it is it is but but the whole point is yeah it's these universal themes it's the longevity and it's it's not you know i'm going to go back to my my simple thing you know simple doesn't mean easy peasy simple right. means elegant simple means you know that's what you know there's another uh joke or quote about engineers like you know any any two-bit engineer can make something complicated but it makes it takes a brilliant engineer to make it simple to make it elegant that you could not just dumb it down but to convey it in a way that yeah an 8 to 12 year old because they get it because they do go through weighty things they go through you know it might look different when you're 10 years old and when you're 40 years old the circumstances are different but it's hitting on those same themes right courage which is a big theme in your books adventure curiosity all those things are with us our whole lives. Right. Right. Or that we hope, oops, sorry about that. Yeah. Or that we hope that we're developing. Right. You know, um, right. And whether or not we develop them, they are still issues. Right. And that's when we get to choose. Am I going to be courageous? Am I going to do the courageous thing? Or am I going to let this opportunity pass me by? Mm-hmm. What am I going to learn from this experience? Am right. I curious? Right. And, and that kind of ties into that quote as well. I think we also, as we want to develop certain things, we want to become more cre- courageous or whatever, you know, trait it may be. We also tend, I think, as we become adults to lose our curiosity. And that's, that's what's lovely about children and what that quote about writing for them touches on is that, again, they have that, that curiosity, that open heartedness, that, right um open minds and right. um and so they're just you know stories 
you know, especially fiction and fantasy and fairy tale, that, that just, that's what, you know, a lot of times adults will just kind of poo-poo those things. We're like, oh, what, what good is fantasy or what good is a fairy tale? And, and really those right. things were used hundreds of years ago to teach, to teach moral lessons. Right. Um, and if you didn't get it, they'd still say, well, the moral of the story is. <laughs> we, we try not to do that now, but, um, yeah, it, I mean, just this morning, my my um, my stepdaughter's here with her baby, and baby was sitting on my husband's lap, and and I said, you know, how often do we as adults just kind of sit and stare, <laughs> you know, stare at everything? And my my stepdaughter said, well, um, you know, Elsie's just everything's new to Elsie. Everything's you know, she's just taking everything in, and. And I don't think we necessarily have to lose that. I, I think agree. if we would just sit and look around us and watch and observe, this is a big homeschooling thing too for, for people who are homeschoolers. Charlotte Mason, one of her, she was like the, you know, kind of the, the founding mother of home education where, you know, observation is a big element of that where we just sit. We have to be instead scrolling on our phones or, or, you know, I, I won't dis reading books, but we always have to like be, feel like we're, we have to do something. Right. Yep. So just sitting. And I think that feeds our curiosity and we, we lose a lot of that because we're just filling, we're filling ourselves with too much stuff. Ooh. That's so good. That's so it's, it's profound and it's true. And I, this is what it makes me think. Cause yeah, I agree we we lose it to the extent that we're we're not engaging with it we've kind of we've let it go dormant that's the way i see it because mm-hmm. it's still there somewhere True. but we we kind mm-hmm. of ignore it to the point where it's just not in our you know in our daily life so it's not on our radar it's not in our our conscious thinking but going back to what you're doing through these stories right through through jack and ellison and all the adventures um that these children are going through, it's, it's kind of giving permission, right. To, to recapture and maybe recharge that curiosity, that sense of adventure, that sense of wonder. And it's more than just, again, well, isn't that sweet? That's cute. Oh, that's just kid stuff. No, if we're smart and yeah, as adults, we're supposed to be wiser. We are. So we've, we've been through more stuff and that's good. But part of wisdom is being teachable. And part of wisdom mm-hmm. is realizing, hey, you know what? I have some, there's something for me here. I haven't surpassed. I don't know everything. And and I, I, I think it's wonderful to have our our imagination recharged and that mm-hmm. sense of wonder and revisiting things that we thought, oh, that's elementary. Well, maybe not. Maybe there's something I glossed over that I need to go back to. Right. So with with yeah, there's, oh my goodness, there's so many things we could talk about on this topic, but uh, for writers and I would say for parents and just, just for all of us to, to tend, I, I talk a lot about, I have a newsletter and I always talk about it. it it's, it's called, it, it's my little tagline is like tending the imagination of readers and writers. And I think that's so important for us to do um, whether it's through, you know, reading books, but it, it's also this, I mean, God has surrounded us, surrounded us with things that we should be in awe of if we would take some time to do it. So moving to the mountains for me has just naturally put me into a place where I've had to learn. I I have to learn new things. I have to learn about the seasons. I have to understand soil composition. I well, not understand it, but I have to realize, you know, gardening here is a lot different than gardening in Illinois. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so when we, I think that's one thing we can do is take ourselves out of our, our normal and, and just even for the day, you know, drive down a road you haven't been down before. Um, turn the GPS off. Um, you know, try a different food. We, we just, we, we could do the simplest things and they, that doesn't seem important maybe, but it, it, it is. And I think that why it's important for us to tend our imaginations is because, and to, to feed our curiosity or to, you know, take that out of dormancy and make sure it stays out is it also helps us 
to understand other people or to at least yeah. be open to other people. We have seen, especially during that pandemic time, people not wanting to even understand each other. Oh, yeah. Wanting to engage in bubble. civil con- conversation, not wanting to even hear anybody else's, um, you know, just experience or opinion. Um, so that's, that's, that's so important. I think if, if we, the, I think the more curious we remain, the, the more apt we are to, to be patient with others, to, to want to, um, to really empathize even it, 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 it may even help us become more empathetic. And who I, I, I'm just trying to take that in. I'm actually kind of writing down some of these things that you're saying because who who'd have thunk, right? Who would have thought being curious makes me more empathetic? What are you talking about? No, I just want to, you know, explore the world and space, the mighty frontier, you know. But what you're talking about, again, this is I don't even want to say is distilling it because it's it's not like again, we're not dumbing this down. We're actually bringing the, we're making this granular meeting us in our daily lives. This is what, this is the result of curiosity. It's getting outside of myself, right? Getting outside of my bubble, my way of seeing the world, my way or the highway. And you're right that we've seen a lot of that these past two years. I've confronted a lot of that in myself these past two years, and it takes effort to get out of that bubble. And curiosity is a great vehicle to pop that bubble because it's like, Hey, there's a whole world out there. And yeah, maybe I won't understand it. Maybe I won't even agree with it. Maybe, you know, some of it, it might be right. And some of it might be wrong in the scheme of God's truth, which I Mm -hmm. still believe. But even with all of that, I don't have all the answers. And that's, and if I'm not curious, I'm not going to want to get outside of my own bubble and find out what they are. Right. And I think curiosity isn't even, we don't have to have answers at the end of right. our, our little search or our, or our exploration or our adventure. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm just surrounded by nature. I, I'm a, I'm a, just a, a nature freak. <laughs> um, and in, in the, in the Tree Street Kids books, there are lots of little fun facts. So I like to incorporate science facts and little things about history. And um, but and my kids are great about that. I have three three grown grown kids, and we're always you know sharing little things like, oh, look at this bird I saw, or <laughs> um, you know, watch this little film clip, or you know, my my son uh, texted me the other day and he said. Oh, I was watching, you know, Marcel the Shell or something. He was watching um, this cute little thing and just talking about how poignant it was and how it affected him. And and I think when we share those things with each other, with when we share things like what we what we're discovering or how it how it affected us with people who understand. I mean, it's sometimes you know we we hesitate to do that um, with mm-hmm. just anybody, mm-hmm. but with our trusted people. Um, we feed each other too. And, um, so, you know, kind of getting back to the books and what you were talking about, you you touched on Jack and Ellison, they're two of the main characters. Um, so I think fantasy does this a lot for us as readers. It, it, it just, it opens just a different part of our mind. I, I read lots of fantasy with, when I was young and, and well, all, all my life I've, I've loved fantasy and that's what I was working on before this series I had an opportunity to write this series, but it's set in the nineties and it's, it's set in real life. Mm-hmm. It's set in the suburbs of Chicago for the most part. Um, although if, if there are more books, I'd like to, you know, take the kids on, you know, out of the uh, suburbs for a little bit. But, um, the thing that, that would, and I was a huge Narnia fan. The thing as a child that did disappoint me a little bit was that, I, I mean, there wasn't really a door to Narnia, right? There wasn't a literal yeah. door to Narnia. I, was I just, I yeah. don't know if you know we that. Look for them. We, I'm still looking, but yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and I don't remember if I told you this the last time I would drag my brother around to wherever we were. And if there was a door, I was like, I am like, okay, this is it. <laughs> this is, this is even though, you know, right. even though I knew right. I was reading a fantasy, I just, I, right. I had this 
longing, which is, is in us, right? Because I think we're eternal beings and uh, created by an eternal being. And, and so we always have this longing inside of us. Right. And, Eternity is set on our hearts. So I right. hear. Yes. But, but so it was kind of interesting to me that I came to a place of writing books that weren't fantasy, but we're, we're, as a writer, and I, I, and I think I, I, and I'm getting feedback from a lot of the kids that are reading, is that they're like these everyday adventures. So there's adventure, but it's not like an impossible kind of adventure. Um, so that's where I'm, 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 I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it to the point of you know as much mild peril as possible. <laughs> um, but isn't that where we all are, though? Right. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, get, yeah. get ready, kids, because yeah, it's it's coming. The peril yeah, continues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's like a, something to look forward to. But right. no, but this is their real life, right? So mm-hmm. again, yes, there's a reason we like fantasy. There's a reason we like Star Wars. There's a reason we like Narnia and all that because it's escapism, right? So it gives right. us permission, and and there are lofty things that we can apply to our real lives, but. Your books, as you said, you know, they're set in the real world. They're set in suburbia. You know, I like to, I live in, I live in suburbia right now. I like to call my neighborhood Pleasant Valley Sunday, rows of houses that are all the same. (laughs) Um, That's another throwback. Um, You can look that up, monkeys. Um, Anyway, but real life, there's a lot of adventure in real life. There's a lot of opportunity for curiosity. There's a lot of opportunity to be courageous, to stick up for that person who needs a friend to reach out to a neighbor who you don't know, who maybe you think is an enemy because you haven't gotten to know them, or maybe they are an enemy or, you know, so just being courageous and getting out of your own bubble. That's a theme that transcends suburbia, rural city life, wherever you are up, down, all around, even in the mountains, I I suppose you have to have some courage, you know, and adventure and curiosity and, and all of the above. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we have to push the boundaries a little bit and kids do that with their parents all the time. And so one of the one of the settings in especially in the second book, The Hunt for Fang, where um the kids start to explore a little bit deeper into the all of the woods that surround um the area where they live, that you know, that you you're dealing with nature. Anytime you're dealing with nature, you're you're dealing with um any of the creatures that live there, the wild animals, you're dealing with the possibility of getting lost on a path. Um there's, you know, these questions of how do I um how do I live in harmony with this wildness and what can I learn from it? How do I respect it? Um, um how do I explore it well? So th- that's a fun setting in the books. Um, the forest preserve. And then, yeah, they, just these different encounters um, in the, in the newest books, the, um, the, the two that just came out are lions to the rescue. Well, I should say the first one is Jack versus the tornado. The second one is the hunt for Fang okay. and then lions to the rescue and mystery and crooked Creek woods just came out. Um, and so there's, there's all different themes that, that are happening in these books but there's always some kind of challenge that Jack's the main character, Jack Finch, and he he has to face something, but it, it involves all his friends too. And 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 it stretches them. It stretches them as far as so for instance, in Lines to the Rescue, Jack gets really stretched because okay, one, he's starting a new school. That's that's a very common theme in a lot of books. But he's also realizing that um for the first time he's he's experiencing um prejudice and racism um, on some level against um, his best friend, Ellison, who's black. And, and so that's a, that's a different kind of stretching, isn't it? That's a different kind of um, courage that we have to have, but, but kind of going, I I think there's a connection though to, to, to make, to, to go down a new path that you haven't gone on, like a literal path in the woods, for instance, Mm -hmm develop something in you, um, feed your curiosity, feed your imagination, develops your courage, 
Um, the same way coming up into like something like, a, you know, a child having to stick up for his friend, you know, that's a different, you know, that's a, a just a different way of having to step up and, you know, say, am I courageous? What kind of friend am right. I going to be? Oh my gosh. That takes an incredible amount of courage. I think that it doesn't get any more real world than that. And we certainly, that doesn't stop when you're 10, right? That, that one will stay with us all of our lives. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and that, uh, one of the things I love to talk about is the formation of moral imagination in kids. And, and that's an example of what that means. So Jesus used really kind of engaged imagination when he was telling parables. Right. Here, I'm going to tell you a story mm-hmm. and then you're going to insert yourself in it. Yep. Even though you didn't know you were going to do that. And then you're either going to learn something and be changed or you're going to get upset like a Pharisee. The Pharisees mm-hmm. often did and, mm-hmm. um, and not learn something. So what a book does, what a, what a good story does. And especially when a, a book is based on these biblical truths and principles, a, a child's reading. So a child's reading lines to the rescue, for instance, and suddenly it's not just Jack standing beside Ellison wondering what's happening here in this situation. Why is this woman not being nice to Ellison? How am I supposed to respond? Um, the reader is asking that, even if it's kind of like on the subconscious level. And that's where the moral imagination starts to, those are, that, that's an opportunity there for that moral imagination to start forming because the child then says, how would I respond? Right. What would yeah. I do? What right. would I do? Right. And, you know, in that scene, Jack might not respond in the most courageous way because mm-hmm. he's still changing and learning, too. Right. So it doesn't give a pat answer. Mm-hmm. But hopefully by the end of the book, there is a little bit more of a of a resolution um, that that kind of helps the, the young reader say, OK, yeah, I this this is one way that this could work out. And I learned something. Right. Right. And even in that process, even in those choices, like where Jack might not make a choice, well, clearly he should have made a better choice. And I would have made a better choice if I was in that situation. And, you know, saying it like that, it just exposes how ridiculous that is. But how many times have I read the Bible? Like, oh, I'd never be like those stupid Israelites and how rebellious they were and just cocky and dumb and blah, blah, blah. And I would not be like a Pharisee or even this morning I'm reading about uh, the prodigal son and, you know, his older brother. And it was like, oh, crap. You know what? The older I get, the more I'm relating to that older brother, you know, and I know it's not the right answer, but that's it's that moment of, all right, am I going to admit like while I'm judging because we're very judgy as we read. Right. And as we consume anything, we're always it's like we're we're in this moral high place looking down from 30,000 feet. Mm-hmm. But no, if we're honest, it's like, oh, that is me. Yeah. And that that parable is one I've used as an example as an example, because it's a, it's a great parable. And a lot of times we focus on. Well, yeah, it's, you know, the father is God and we're the prodigal. And, um, you know, and this is this this is what you know, this is, you know, kind of a um a metaphor for our relationship with God and that kind of thing and his love for us. And, but we, we, we don't focus enough on the brother. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that that's just another, we could, we could really kind of insert ourselves into any of those roles Mm -hmm. um, in our life. We've, we've been the parent maybe with the prodigal child or we've been the prodigal, but we very often have been the brother. (laughs) Right, right. And that's just it. It's just being willing to to face, you know, like books, all great literature, all great art, really, I think, to an extent, is a mirror. And it's like, okay, not that I just want to see myself, right, because the whole point is to get out of the bubble. But sometimes to get out of the bubble, we actually have to look in the mirror and face ourselves, right, and own that awkward, as we like to say around here, because until we own it, we can't move beyond it. We can't ask God to help, help. Help transform me because I can't do it myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is all such good stuff. I love it. I love talking to you and I love, I just love everything about this conversation and I, I want to continue it, but I want to give you a chance to tell people how do they find these books? Cause I think, I think whether you have middle grade people in your life or not, I, I just think these are great themes 
that'll be helpful for you and maybe somebody you know. Yeah. The, the books are from, um, right now there's four books. They're, um, the, the, the series title is Tree Street Kids. And you can find out all about the books on this lovely website they made called treestreetkids.com. There's different ways to purchase. They're, the books are available pretty much everywhere, but there's some options on there to help you find where, where to purchase them. And there's a devotional on there. There's free downloads of all the fun facts on that website. Um, fun facts. My, yeah, there's a link to my newsletter. Um, I think I said, yeah, there's the version devotional that um, is for the first book right now. I'm supposed to be working on the other three. I love it. Oh, you're on version. That's exciting. All right. I just yeah. opened up my yeah, UVersion called, app. I'm going to look for you. Yeah, the, yeah. the, uh, the devotional is uh, Life Lessons for Anxious Kids. Um, and that, because that's, that's one of the things that, uh, the first book, Jack versus the tornado tackles is, is Jack's, uh, uh, anxiety and, um, uh, his love oh, of boy. certainty that and <laughs> not wanting things to change. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. If only, if only. Okay. I just, I think I just found it. Yay. Cool. I'm just looking. Yeah. Looking and they're from Moody publishers. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so they, uh, they uh they integrate uh they're they're written from a christian Look, you know perspective is. and uh integrate that as it as it's i like to say as it's authentic to the characters great because yeah. not every single child goes to sunday school <laughs> this is true as much as we would like them to but um right. this is great so we can bring sunday school to them right we can lead or bring the best parts of it so look i found it so i'm showing oh. it and yeah yeah that's awesome so lots of options for you um, amanda thank you thank you thank you so much for another great conversation oh, i'm already so fun. Uh, i'm already looking forward to an excuse to talk to you again well you don't need an excuse well, well we could always find something to talk about Oh yeah, I'm confident of that. Like right. like survival. Survival. Yes. Okay. Next time it's just gonna be an all survivalness all the time. So you're gonna give us a lot of fun facts. I'll find another yeah. stupid game. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. We could we could talk about um yeah, curiosity and imagination and yeah. All of the above. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how long the snakes are in western North Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, well, as, as you, yeah, yeah, that's. I was, I was going to add reality to that list, but I'm not sure I want to face that reality because, yeah, that's a whole other topic. Not wanting to face reality, but what is reality? But well, thank you. God bless you, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Oh, thanks so much, Nancy. It was, it was a great, great conversation. Appreciate it. Don't you just love this woman? She's fun and substantive. And that, in my humble misfit opinion, is a golden combo. And like I said, whether you have a middle grader in your life or not, her books are transcendental, not in a weird, mystical way, but in that way that speaks to kids from 1 to 92. You know what I'm saying. And remember, you can find Lions to the Rescue, Mystery at Crooked Creek, and for that matter, all the books in her Tree Street Kids series at amandaclearyestep.com or wherever you like to buy your books. But I think you'll have the most fun on our website. And speaking of fun, there's more to be had at isleofmisfits.com. I would love for you to pay me a little visit, even subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the great interviews like this one or fun blog posts. There's even some fun music coming your way, so stay tuned for that and the gallery of beauty, I'm just saying. So I hope to see you there. And I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that there too. So drop me a line. And thanks for listening. And keep owning that beautiful awkward of yours. Because Lord knows we need you. Overwhelm me with your power. Rearrange me here and now.